You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome to the Riverwise Podcast. This is a Detroit-grown podcast focusing on radical movements, activist voices, and the stories around those neighborhoods and communities that they all spring from. My name is Amas Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the managing editor of the Riverwise magazine, Eric Campbell. Eric, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing really good. Uh, I'm feeling really, uh, really good about this conversation coming up. I feel like it's vital. I feel like it's timely. You know, it's one of those things that's going to could change the face of politics in the city um, drastically. So uh, it's a very important conversation we have. Absolutely, I think I think that I'm excited to get to that. I think uh, our listeners are going to be brought something that really drives me. In that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in direct action, but some of the most radical and long-lasting things really are engaging with policy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who we're going to be talking with today and what it is we're talking about? Yeah, well, we've got uh, as a guest today, we've got Renard Munchanski from the Detroit People's Platform. I've had a couple of great conversations with Renard in the past around his work with transit justice. He's been um, doing this work for a couple of years now with Detroit People's Platform. He's been out getting folks involved in the transit system, in the bus system specifically, trying to find ways to uplift people's experiences for essential riders, folks that uh, you know, experience the bus system uh, on a daily basis. We're going to be talking about that and we'll be talking about you know, the, the Detroiters' Bill of Rights, which is a proposal that's been, being, been put together by uh, a number of grassroots community organizations. This initiative was put together partly by uh, Councilperson Raquel Castaneda-Lopez and Councilperson Mary Sheffield. What's exciting about it is that, you know, for the first time, perhaps, we've got a group of organizations coming together who've been doing uh, radical social justice work in the city for years, coming together and um, helping to put together language that we hope will, uh, will make it to the city charter and on, on many different fronts, change uh, the experience and, and, and allow people to be more, more involved in politics and policy making in the city. Yeah, I mean, and not what, what I think is really incredible about you know, our conversation with Renard is not only is, you know, the fact that this piece of legislation, which ultimately, and I think that he says it once or twice, but like, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that this is radical. Like, this is just simple rights that folks in cities should have already and that cities should want to have for their citizens. Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. the amazing part of it is that, so something like this, you know, however far it goes, if it makes it to the ballot, when it makes it to the ballot, let me say, I think that'll be, you know, it already, it already changes your perception of how, you know, city government should be run and what kind of experience folks should have on, on whatever economic level they're at. I mean, they, we have certain rights. We have rights to water, we have rights to housing, and we have rights to, to you know, reliable transit. So, I mean, this language is so important in the, in the Detroiters' Bill of Rights because of just that. This perception, this, you know, changes our perception about what it is that uh, we should we should expect and demand as human beings uh, in the city of Detroit and uh, yeah. all, all cities across the world. Yeah, all city. I mean, I think that's reading through the language of the charter, and, and you see these kind of these radical movements are happening across 
the globe and certain, you know, where people are re-engaging with their constitutions, rethinking how, you know, it means to be uh, civically minded and for the civilization to give back to those who are part of it. But one thing that was really inspiring to me in, in listening is how how fiery Renard gets about policy. Yeah. You know, like how intense and how engaged and how real, how how revolutionary engaging with the system. And that's ultimately, you know, what it sounds like is engaging with the system as it is. And that's creating policy that will ultimately change the trajectory. And I think it's very important for folks who are out there doing the work, who are going to protest or who are, are engaging with activism to realize that it is important to pay attention to the policies, to know that your voice can absolutely, absolutely 100% shape and radicalize and move forward these these things that shape our communities. Yeah. This is a result of, you know, years and years of organizing by some incredible folks on the, you know, who are, who are working on the ground. We're at that point now where, you know, we're, we're looking at our leadership and saying, you know, we're looking at that old mantra that we're the leaders that we're looking for. And, we're, we're, you know, that's being taken seriously. It's not just a mantra now. It's actually a direction that we're moving in. And um, this is an opportunity for folks who have been doing that work to um, be a part of that policy making. And we're moving towards a, more, a much more just and uh, equitable city charter. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to add. I'm really excited to get to this conversation for our listeners to hear it. These are the things that we want to continue to bring you through the magazine and the podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation and we will be doing our best to keep these episodes on a consistent basis, whether it's every week or every other week, we are doing everything we can. If you feel like there's something that we should pay attention to or someone you'd like us to talk to please hit us up on the website um, our emails up there and we will continue to bring these conversations to you as best we can with as much spirit and grace as we can yeah i mean there's, there's so much more to say about this but uh you know renard says it better so let's uh enjoy the conversation with renard manchansky Renard Manchunsky, welcome to the Riverwise podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm really good. I um, Thanks for inviting me on here. Thanks for covering us in the past as well, too. Um, the transit justice team, that's what I mean by saying us and all the central riders and covering our issues. Yeah, it's good to be on here. Yeah, we're really glad to have you. I know we've been bouncing back and forth a little bit of the uh, technical issues, but we're finally to have you here. I think what we're going to talk about today is incredibly important. I think it's so something that we really are going to bring to the the people that they can feel like they're still engaging with it. It's, I'm really excited to hear how you've been a part of this work and how it's pushing forward. I mean, we're really happy to have you on the podcast finally. Yeah, thank you so much. Renaud. This is this is extremely important. You know, shaded a wonderful piece in the current issue of Riverwise called Beyond Reform on the uh, the work that's being done with the Detroiters Bill of Rights. And uh, well, the more we hear about it, the more we're, we're talking about it, the more we realize just how big of a change, how big of a positive change this could possibly be for Detroiters and our involvement in uh, local government. So we thank you for your work on it and uh, we can't wait to hear more. Thank you. I really appreciate that. But first, I, I, I want to actually ask you about your about your upbringing in, in, in the city, we like to you know, get a little bit of information from folks and what, what their place is and what their place has been, how they've engaged with the city. You were, you were born and raised in, in the city of Detroit? I was actually born in Germany, in West Germany at the time, um, hmm. in 89. 
but I was raised in the city of Detroit. Uh, Detroit is the only city I've lived in. I moved, the first city I moved to when I've flown over here in the U.S. And I've uh, arrived here in the U.S. in 94, and I just remember Detroit. So Detroit's always been my home. That's cool. And you're East Sider as well, right? We got we got thrown out. How did I get how did I get out there? I'm actually a West Sider. Um, <laughs> West, um, Ger- West Germany to the West Side. Yeah, yeah. Like, but we originally lived on like off of Orleans. I remember my kindergarten. It was uh, I think it was like oh god, I forget the name of it. It started with some mix something like I don't know, but. I don't know how they got out there. That that scares me a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I I no, I actually grew up on um Lauder School Craft area off of Greenfield, Grand River. That's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. that's been where I lived for a long time. Um, been all over the place a little bit afterwards as well too. But Detroit Tom. Okay. And then uh, you you're actually you ended up your work takes place right now with Detroit People's Platform. Mm-hmm. And I've been up there a couple of times. It's a powerful, powerful space that you're up there. I was telling Amas, you know, Reverend Ross is up there doing that, doing her thing with WNUC. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, that's right. Wendy Campbell's working with you and Greg Newsome and uh, mm-hmm. other, other folks whose names I don't know. But I mean, it's a powerful, powerful space. I've been mean, fortunate enough to visit a couple of times. It's amazing. It's the power that um, is with the community that is collectively shared. And it's, it's amplification of the power of that neighborhoods and individuals, mothers, family members, um, youth have, you know, and that's why we call ourselves the Detroit People's Platform. We are a platform for majority Black Detroit. So, and, and we've been striding in that message. We believe in deep organizing into the neighborhoods and advocacy and um, policy change as well. So, and that's how we do our work as well. That's why there's a lot of power up there. We embody Martin Luther King's power with rather than the classic and old authoritarian power over which a lot of people mistaken for power, true power, Mm -hmm. when it's really you and I and all of us, this Mm -hmm. is power right now, um, the power of uh, the collective voice through media, you know, community media. And yeah, um, the station is really, uh, I'm really, yeah, that's just, that's the, that's, I don't know. I think that's where the power kind of eminent, like it just tries <laughs> to go out like a literal antenna, if you will. But um, it's a revolutionary suite on that floor, if I tell you that too. Mm-hmm. I believe I've been up there and that, I, I believe is what's going up up there is revolutionary for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and I just want to mention also, I want our listeners to get an idea of, because, you know, Detroit People's Platform is involved in several different facets of community organizing and uplifting self-determination you yourself have been primarily involved in the transit justice facet of detroit people's platform and i wonder if you can explain for us you know what that has meant uh, for you actually the idea of transit justice in general and then how you've been able to, to uh, you know, I know you've got a, you've got an amazing podcast you've been out there with the people on the bus you know at the stops you know really looking up really getting a close look at you know what transit looks like in detroit and where it can go what really is moving is that finally bus riders are a constituency an Mm -hmm. advocacy group worth consideration and have had a record of achievable equitable wins Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know um, pushing for 24-hour service, pushing to shift, um, you know, when the Northland Transit Center was uh, closing, 
being able to route buses in a way that got people to where they needed to go towards uh, pushing it back against the queue line, towards restoring Woolward on Woolward. All these things bend towards equity and better access, um, trilingual access to DDOT now. So um, English, uh, Arabic, and then Spanish uh, population that ride, the central riders that ride the bus. And that's the name we give to bus riders. We're essential riders because bus, the buses are essential to us but we are essential to the system. There is no system without us, no system without the drivers and no system you know, without the buses, of course. And our mission is to prevent privatization. It is to expand service to the most needed areas, which are the majority black and also low income areas in Detroit. I grew up along the Schoolcraft bus route, which is still terrible to this day. It was so many like grievances and harm, like just harm done against bus riders and just powerlessness that people didn't feel. I mean, that people did feel, you know, and there was no, no, no platform or no voice or a space of power for bus riders to plan and strategize until, you know, I just had it one day. It was like three hours waiting to get home, my only route to get home. Uh, the Fort 19, and I'm thinking I'm here at a transit center, lucky. How many people are across the city right now in far dangerous areas that no you know, like don't know no what's going no. on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, the, at the, so, to, so to answer the question at its core, it is, it is finally providing space and platform for people to use their voice to improve the system. We have turned the space, like the community space in the meetings, from rant sessions and, you know, like body language where it's just like the officials have to sit there and taking it to actual improvements in system and routing as well to given like, mm -hmm. so that's what it is. People power and people decision-making power, like giving power to bus riders. That's what it is. I'm going to say the word power. Yeah. But that's what I, really changed. It's so interesting that like when, when you think about vibrant cities, infrastructure and, and mobility is such a huge part of that and to disregard that power of those who utilize it, who are actually, you know, the lifeblood of that system, to disregard it for so long is just, it's mind boggling. Yeah, and it's amazing to hear, you know, the language around, you know, the transit justice and, you know, energy, democracy, you know, it's, it's I, I'm so glad to hear the language being, being spoken that speaks to, speaks to folks who are the most impacted, not just, you know, be, having an opportunity to, you know, speak with that to speak to, to, to so-called leadership, but actually getting involved in creating the policies that, you know, impact them the most. Yeah, it's great to hear that. Good to hear that in the work you're doing. Yeah, we thank you for, we thank you for, for all that you've done. What, 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 what brought you to the, the Detroit People's Platform? Was it a, a drive to be engaged with the transit justice already, or did that come uh, afterward? What was the, your, your in, you know, inroad and fruition through there? Actually, it was um, prior to me joining Detroit People's Platform, I was on a campaign to raise minimum wage and, you know, health care for, you know, Michigan residents. Um, I believe in health care and also a high paying or good paying uh, job is a right that people should have. So okay. I was told, and, and then I, I met a fellow organizer, Tormaine Rhodes, who actually taught me how to canvas, how to speak to people, how to get people to move and you know, not only just get petitions uh, signed, but uh, actually to lead in a way too. The canvas on the east side of Detroit, which I had no relation to the community, so I learned a lot mm -hmm. by that. So he said, "Come to this meeting. It's um, 
it was like it was between like late August, early September in 2014. And I decided to, you know, I, I came and then I learned I was part of the rising American electorate. Uh, uh, time is shifting. Uh, demographics are shifting towards, you know, a black and brown America, uh, you, you know, like a, a plethora society. I'm like, this is really cool. And it, it felt like a revolutionary spirit. I heard about people getting their water shut off. And I came back. This was a few years coming back to Detroit after I graduated from the University of Michigan. And I was just here in the city just being picked and picked apart clean. And I grew up in the city where I remember the good days, you know, in the late to uh, the mid to late 90s. And it was just terrible to hear these things. All these <laughs> officials I thought were good people were the very people harming us. So I learned a lot that one day and I'm like, I want to do something about this. So I heard about the Community Benefits Agreement or CBA campaign, which gives power to neighborhoods to negotiate a, a contract of benefits and rights for that neighborhood that's being affected by development. So I'm like, anything that's given power to people that have a say, I'm down for that. So I did not know that there was a group or an organization, people dedicated towards equity and justice and racial justice for Black people and Detroiters all in general, people who stayed in the city for the longest. So I started as a volunteer. Um, I learned how to canvas even more. I honed in my skills. But actually, on my first canvassing campaign was in the state of Colorado to defeat FCC United versus um, uh, Citizens United versus FCC. Mm. And our campaign won 63% at the end of everything as well, too. So I was in a very, I was in some red counties. It was really interesting and fun petitioning there. The people were very friendly. I've got a lot of debates and a lot of non-signatures, but a lot of polite, good discussion. So I already had exposure in a state I'd never had no exposure, no family to petitioning. So I think that caught the attention of leadership here in Detroit that we're finding who are these young people at that time? <laughs> who are these people that, that we can use in our, you know, and I have a lot of assets to myself as well, too. I'm really good with, you know, being analytical, really good with moving people, most importantly, with my own voice. So I was learning through DPP as an educational experience as well, too, to be a leader maker. You know, because we're all leaders in that way. We don't believe in empowerment. That's that's played out. So, <laughs> you know, people inherently have power, and that's what I learned in that first day. Okay, man, it's great courage. You gotta get out there and knock on those doors, man. It's 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 a, it's a wonderful. Oh my thing. God, I was reading off the script. I don't learn to speak the people's language. You know, I was all fresh out of, you know, college. And I came from the West Side, but, you know, I was very studious in school. So I learned more than I ever learned. You know? Right. That's great. That's great. We, just, we just got in touch with some kids, the, the uh, ENIAC youth street team who went out there leading up to the November election and were knocking on doors in several neighborhoods around Detroit. And um, we got a chance to connect with them. Good we're hanging out Riverwise. And, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, it's, it's very educational. So let's, uh, can we jump into the Detroit's Bill of Rights? I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's part of the reason we're here, certainly, if not, you know, if not the main reason. If that's not reason. a capstone, you know, like. <laughs> well, I, think, I think that. I was trying, I was trying to wait for a segue to this kind of happen, but, you know. Let's just... Well, I think, I think, yeah, you know, through learning that you jumped into the Detroit People's Platform and you've really spoken eloquently about the necessity and lifeblood of what infrastructure and transit rights means and how simple that statement is and how powerful. So it seems so, it, it makes so much sense for you to be, you know, part of this radical, incredible 
piece of legis or this, this piece of legislation that we are pushing through in a city's charter that should just it makes so much sense. Let's dive into it. Tell us how you know this came into your uh, purview uh, within this. I mean, a year that we all understand has been absolutely dramatic in so many ways and throughout all the systems and situations we belong in. Sorry, I was going to say just to add to that. I'm also extremely curious because you know we have Tawana on our team at Riverwise who's been you know sort of giving us little tidbits. But I, I don't have a sense of like how it really yeah. started, you know, with with, uh, with uh, the city council uh, persons, Castaneda Lopez and Sheffield, and you know, how did this how, how did this really come together? Oh God, it has a people. longer history than you think. All right, so it didn't believe it or not, it didn't really start this year. I organized the transit justice team in a July Saturday brunch meeting um, at the Hannon House. That was our revolutionary birthplace, kind of like where DPP really started. Let me mention too, not to cut you off or not, but I just want to make, make sure it's clear that you know people understand that we're talking about the Detroiters Bill of Rights. Yes, that uh, is being discussed, organized, um, and hopefully. All right, so I have to be clear. Okay, because I, I I wasn't clear actually. Yeah. Oh, okay, because the origin connection, connection to the. Uh, to the charter as well. Yes. So that actually did start this year, this summer. The right to the access and mobility, which was really the right to transit, had earlier origins last year. So there was some work done on our part already. But um, the work actually started in early summer um, this year. It, it, this year's really felt like a long year, but I was asked um, to join the Racial Justice Working Group. Um, Linda informed me about that. It included um, Council President Pro Tem Mary Sheffield and, of course, Raquel Castaneda Lopez, Councilwoman uh, Lopez. And um, I was there to represent um, the right to, you know, transportation and mobility justice and um, access as well, too, which also involved ADA rights, American Disability Act, Act rights as well, too, because that's all intrinsically part of transit. Was there to represent the work of not just the transit justice team, but essential riders all over the city of Detroit. And the right to access and mobility ensures that regardless of the zip code, that all Detroiters have the right to bus service, public transportation, equitable mobility, and also safe access to our roads and streets, regardless of zip code, skin color, race, and, and basically enshrines into what will be the new city charter, which is like a mini constitution for municipalities, like cities, counties. Um, that that is an inherent right, that we can claim that and say, hey, I'm entitled to that. You're supposed to provide the service. I have a right to it. There's, it's a stronger thing when you have a right. And the Detroit Bill of Rights is basically taking an already progressive charter, which we really didn't have the chance to really use due to you know, state oversight and takeover and emergency management. But um, like our, you know, our state constitution most our federal constitution, shouldn't our, our, our city have some sort of bill of rights that you living in a city that you have a right to quality of life here? So first one being the right to be free from discrimination. Second right is being the right to water and access to it most importantly, the right to safety and safety in a different way, not over policing being the right to access to the needs that you have for food, water, groceries, you know, and thriving neighborhoods as well too, um, safe conditions and infrastructure. So the right to safety is number three. Number four is the right to quality and affordable housing. Number five will be the right to environmental health. Detroit experiences 
heavy environmental racism in the city yeah. that has to be enshrined. The right to recreation. Yes, we have the right to, to use our land and facilities to um, exercise, play tennis, bike, dance, have concerts. That is an important part of the city life uh, and a right to the city. So that's number six. Number seven, the right to access and mobility. And finally, number eight, the right to basic needs and quality of life. That's what makes the city a city. And the hashtag for that is DET Bill of Rights. So that's capital DET and Bill of Rights. It doesn't matter in case. Yep, that's the Detroit Bill of Rights. Coalition of over 50 organizations and organizers and activists in the city of Detroit, Black Youth uh, Project 100. You have Tawana Petty, of course. Um, you have Detroit Digital Justice. You have you know, so many great organizations in the city that have been fighting so year, for so many years for equity to create this document. Amazing, uh, um, as, as you mentioned, some of the groups I was talking, I, was, I mentioned this to Amas yesterday, you know, this opportunity for some of these groups that have been working so long along so many different avenues, all, all dealing with different aspects of, of, of social justice, mm -hmm. to have these groups come together and be able to work directly, you know, with the council, number one, but be, be able to also work together in, in a, on an initiative, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's an amazing opportunity for the groups, for the people of Detroit. And um, we hope that, you know, we hope, we hope, we hope conversations like this get people you know, excited about what could be a very, you know, it would be a sea change as far as politics in the city of Detroit. I know, uh, I know maybe a little, some of these routes in 2018, I know Mary Sheffield had like a, a people's rights thing that she, she introduced to the city council. It didn't yes. move as much. And I feel like, so now when you're, you know, from that stem, because I feel like it's really gathering steam now. And I, I do think it's that- It's an evolution of, of that. And, and, yeah. and that's why it's a concerted effort between these two leaders on city council um, to create this. And there's already some elements, even of the People's Bill of Rights that's been passed already, like the reduction of ticket prices and, you know, so many other policy wins. But this charter was so important and an opportunity to enshrine this into the future of our city. And, and that's just wonderful leadership there. In a pandemic, during the worst of days, all the Zoom meetings, the, the, um, the hard work in our subcommittees and putting our policies together, talking about uh, how to can navigate you, these bodies. It's, can it, you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I, you know, I was able to read the document and it's, it's incredible. And like, I don't know if people, like you mentioned it a little bit, but like a, a city charter is what the constitution of a city is. You know, it, the mm -hmm. closest thing that we can make that comparison to. So if these, these, uh, this bill of rights gets enshrined in that, it doesn't matter the administration. These things go in the city, no matter who is mayor, no matter who's in the city council, these things have to be honored, yes. taken into consideration, no matter what they plan to do with the city, all of these things have to be there. It now, defines the very structure and governance of the city and rights. It spells out the ways that people can exercise those rights as well too. And most importantly, the charter is a reminder, a contract, if you will, that this city does this in the name of everyone in that city. Mm -hmm. All ordinances and resolutions are passed in the name of the totality of all the residents within Detroit. So yes, you're absolutely correct. And, and building the most progressive charter is what the city needs to move forward to create the bodies 
to create the uh, commissions. And not only just that, increasing people's voice and taking power that has been, so much power that has been given to the um, executive branch in Detroit, which has stifled our voices. So it's not only a rebuke against that, but it's really an assertion and a reminder that the city belongs to the people and is a service institution to the people. And it's not only gonna be on just on paper, it's gonna be in practice. It defines terms for city council. It defines, you know, like uh, neighborhood boundary. It's so much that it defines for the city down to your utilities, infrastructure, um, you know, resources that is, are provided for you as well too, and services is, is, is crucial that um, we have a document that represents the will of the people and not major donors, wealthy individuals, or corporations. So as far as the process, Renard, I want to ask about, so people know and have a good, clear vision of the process as we move forward. This proposal has been put together with a large amount of hard work by yourself and other members of, of community organizations, along with members of city council. Before this appears on the ballot, what, what, what's, what's the schedule, what's, what's the process leading up to November as far as the Detroiters' Bill of Rights and its attachment to the Charter? Okay, let's be clear. The Detroiter Bill of Rights is just an aspect of the new city charter. So it's going to uh, follow the preamble. But that, in addition to all the new items that are in the charter, what we did were, char were organizing for charter recommendations and amendments. And that builds the whole charter itself. That's what we were doing through the summer by engaging with the Charter Revision Commission of Detroit, which is an elected nine-member body. That answers that question. Now, moving onward, um, where they're going, they have just a few meetings this year. So if you search for Detroit Charter 2018, because that's when the Charter Revision Commission was voted in, through a ballot proposal that was by automatic trigger that says, hey, our charter is up for revision. Do you want to revise it or keep it? People voted um, to revise our charter as well, too. So that was started the initial process of that led to this point. Right now, we're in the final phases of voting in all the recommendations that community members and organizations like ourselves, the Racial Justice Working Group, um, led by Sheffield and Lopez as well, and so many other community members. It actually led to so much engagement in, in charter commission meetings in city government. It was actually one of the most responsive bodies. But what is next is putting these recommendations, drafting the language. Now they're going to go into drafting. And afterwards, it has to be sent to the attorney general of the state of Michigan um, to see if it passes legal muster. After Dana Nessel, who is our current attorney general, says it's okay. It goes to the governor. Um, governor Whitmer will look over that. Um, if she signs off on it, it goes to our ballot, I believe, for 2021. Yep. I'm not sure when in 2021, but I do know for sure. You said August. I, I can't speak to that, but I do know for sure on that. There's a stage before that where I, I, I'm on, I was under the impression, and I, I could be totally wrong, mm -hmm. there's some form of approval that city council some some form of passage that the city council has in the near future and no they're not involved in action actually approving but not been my understanding with the last charter to 2012 i don't believe that's the case with this one but i'm not 100 percent sure so please don't I'm talking about the, the, the bill of rights the the, the the amendment proposal that has to go through this uh charter commission as well because that affects the charter that's going to be embedded into the charter 
and the city council has no role in that process. Okay. In okay. fact, this has all been interfaced through the city charter revision commission, a okay. nine member elected body. I think they're at large. They're not even by district. So mm-hmm. these are people that ran for that uh, spot and, you know, won as well too. So yeah, that's, that's been the primary interface in governmental bodies as well with that. City council members have been involved in that process, as I mentioned before, and they were free to have their recommendations, but um, it's really Council President Pro Tem Sheffield and Lopez leading that process within this racial justice working group I was in and many other community leaders were in. I was just, just to follow up on that real quick, have there been any other, you know, we're hearing about Councilperson Sheffield and Councilperson Castaneda Lopez, we've heard their names, of course, rightfully so at the top. Have there been any other council members that have been an active part of this process informing the Bill of the Detroit's Bill of Rights? To be honest, um, I can't really speak for the others. It's just really been them two um, in this process and organizing community leaders. So they took information, our view of points and recommendation from community organizations like Detroit People's Platform, the Transit Justice Team. Also, I want to say Detroit Action as well, too. It was just a coalition of so many leaders organizers, advocates, organizations. So I want to be clear that they weren't directing the process. They were there organizing on different rights, the, you know, um, in terms of like defunding and reforming the police, you know, workers' rights, community benefits. Um, There were so many different areas because your city charter is a little bit longer than a state constitution. It carries more scope and areas of your life. So as you get down to your local government, the longer these documents are because they cover such greater and broad aspects of your life, licensing, parking, all of those things, fines, taxation, governance structures, administrative bodies, all of that stuff. It doesn't sound hot, but it's- (laughs) No, I think it's it's absolutely, it's crucial for people to understand. Something that I, this year, that's really been a driving point for me is you know, we saw such response to some of the, you know, intense things that happened this year, whether it was the murder of George Floyd, uh, the, you know, non-action against Breonna Taylor, so many things that just happened again and again. You saw this incredible outpouring of people coming in and something that I always, you know, was questioning and pushing back is like, how do you maintain this? Because don't burn out, don't do, you know, and, and part of that, is, be, is getting engaged with some of what you were saying is maybe not so hot, but it's so necessary. Like understanding, even if you want to tear the system down as it seems, and we can agree that a lot of the, you know, the government as we see it is fucked up and is, you know, uh, imperialistic, but understanding these things, watching this Bill of Rights come into reality to make it enshrined in a city's charter to make it like these people who have been subjugated and overlooked and harmed so much are having their voices heard and it is now going to be law. These are the things that, although not hot, although it ain't, you know, it's not going to make a good Instagram post, this will legitimately change the future for you and your children. Actually, we're working on that Instagram post. But we're <laughs> that- oh, oh, yeah, there's, our, um, there's been some content um, at Detroit Peoples. Look us up on that. Um, before, and, and like I said, hashtag. No shade, no shade to Instagram. No, no, no shade to any of this. And, and it's, not, it's not about it being hot. It's about yeah. 
people sure. like living and, and are we going to have a space in this city that is rapidly increasing in price to live here and, and yeah. everything else that's what this is it's a rebuke against uh, our lack of voice but most importantly it's is rooted in racial justice justice for majority black detroit is center is centers black justice it does it response yeah. to the tragic horrendous murders of the of the people you mentioned like i uh Hucking Littleton, all, all of this. I've been in mm -hmm. a protest this summer, risking my own health and everything. And that's what this culminated to, this action, that energy culminated into people getting involved in democracy. And what it felt like is being, unlike the framers, which were, you know- White. White and owned people. Yeah. This felt like a collective community creation of a new community of the city of Detroit, really creating a new city and finally people having a process in that, being the framers of a new society, if you will, for that. And the cities are a place to thrive and live. When cities are, uh, are rooted in equity, people can make their way here. And Detroit used to, and will, and I, in the future will continue to be that city of hope. It, like seriously, it, um, it, the great migration to, you know, immigration from other countries as well to Detroit amongst many other cities in the Midwest have been those beacon of hope. We were the Paris of the Midwest mm -hmm. um, as well too. But this is, is this all for racial justice and equity and moving the city towards a progressive service institution and not a playground for corporation. Well, hey. Bernard, thank you so much, man. Um, we're talking to Renard Munchunski from Detroit People's Platform. We're talking about the Detroiters Bill of Rights. We're talking about its addition to the Detroit City Charter. After that amazing statement you just made, I'm gonna bring it back down a little bit and play devil's advocate. It's a question that's been on my mind. It's amazing to see how, how wide ranging the Detroiters Bill of Rights is. Do you think that looking ahead to, you know, when this does reach the ballot in 2021, do you think that affects possibly, one of the, one of the thoughts I've had is that, you know, because it's so wide ranging, we need to have folks that, I think, I don't know how it's going to be, how the language is going to be on, on the ballot, but it seems like you have to be in agreement with, with, all, with all the Bill of Rights and every, everything that it's pertaining to. Um, do you think that affects possibly the chance of it, of it being passed? I think it gives, it masks, um, it, it, it serves as actually unintentionally as popular education because the Detroit Bill of Rights lists these things as rights but it points to specific elements in the charter that actually implements those rights as well too. It's, not, it's enough to say you have a right to affordable housing and water, but when you look deeper into the charter, that's what gets people to read the document and to really investigate it as well too. I mean, you start with the legalese, nobody will read that. It is, but it's most important is symbolic as well too. Not too many city charters actually have an article of rights for its residents. And the city having the most power over your day-to-day -day life, that's troubling. Yeah. So um, other cities have been turning into a more progressive tune in, in asserting the rights that the state and federal government confers and you know ensures for us. I think that it will speak to the masses, but I know that there will be critics. But when you read the actual policies, like a, a water affordability policy where you pay to what your income level is, that's that right to water. So um, I know that there will be people who's like, is this just a freebie and giving away everything? There will always be those type of people. 
But what I really do think because so many community activists and organizations and people, families, neighborhoods, people that have been through this work before with the prior charter commission will be able to explain this. It serves as education. Yeah. You know, it serves as, you know, to get everyday Detroiters to, re, uh, uh, to know that there are, we're, this is a document that's for us. This is a city that's going to work for us in a way too. I, I really can't speak to what the detractors are going to say, yeah. but the rights point to specific policy. I'm going to be real with you. Policy is important. That policy is the reason why I don't, you know, you and I and all of us don't have to use separate water fountains. It um, rights and movement work in the streets work, you know what I'm saying, in the city council work, advocacy work, organizing work, all of that leads to a shift in transformative policy. That's what this work does. And that's what the Detroit Bill of Rights does. Right. It's just the city towards an organization, a service institution um, that serves the residents and put residents of all types and families first. I really appreciate how eloquent how, how well you're putting the importance of policy work and democracy into perspective and into reality of how this, you know, people can engage with this because, mm -hmm. and this is, a, I'm, I'm interested, maybe this is a little detour for a second, but it's easy, or when I've talked to a lot of people who are very upset, who are very angry, especially prior to the election, and wanted to say, why am I engaging with the system? It's, it's trash. You know, why should I, you know, this, I want to burn it down. Let's, you know, when, when people shout revolution and they think that that means, you know, a tearing down of what is, how do you, maybe this is the detour, like make policy, like engaging them and be like, no, because, and I will push back to some people too, of being like, you can't just rest on, you know, people like just vote. I'm like, well, that can't be your only thing. You can't just, you know, you have to engage with it a little bit deeper and a little bit more. So how do you get the those who are fiery revolutionaries who want to just burn it down to take a breath and say, all right, policy is is can be the revolution, can be revolutionary? All the movement building work that has ever happened in the United States has been shed with black blood. That shaped policy. That has given us the rights and constitutional amendments to ban slavery, to ensure the vote and to ensure automatic citizenship, right? That cannot be understated. But if that's your only tactic to put our people at risk in this era, the era of over-policing and people not coming back home from police stations, mm -hmm. then they have to reconsider, what is your end game? Just more chaos? Like if you burn something down, you're, I, I, what comes the day after that? What structures hey. are you building? You can't just tear down something without rebuilding. And this charter and the Detroit Bill of Rights is the culmination of that work after we are in the streets. You can't fight against a structure that's always gonna oppress you if you don't shape the new structure as right. well too. It's right. about building the new society. It's easy to tear something down when you don't know how to build it back up if you have no way to do it. That's my yes. response. And that's what I think is, is, is amazing about this. From my personal perspective, you know, this, this brings us closer to you know, having a revolutionary platform from which to to move from, which doesn't involve necessarily, you know, burning it down as you put. I mean, this is this is an opportunity for people to not just to build our new well, city. Exactly, be involved in the policy that, they, that we want to see. Remove we think obstacles, obstruction. Remove, you know, obstacles and oppression as well. To be part of that solution, I didn't want to say you mean part of the problem and part of the solution, but yeah. that's the no, real truth. Like, but, and I think I. <laughs> 
was just to okay. say it's the difference, it's, it's okay. the difference between being told what's just and, and us telling you know politicians you know what's just. You know, I had a good conversation. Uh, you know, Andrew. Uh, you know, we talked about the fact that you know politicians should really you know should really just be elected to follow our policy directives. Right. They shouldn't be making policy directly. The fact that that's such a <laughs> radical concept. We're going to get there. Um, we that's can't too far? Is that too much? Is that too much? I'm sorry. No, it's, it's <laughs> not too much. We can't give up. Our, <laughs> I, we, we really cannot give up in that, that process. Like the, the anger, that righteous anger that we have turns into this work. You, you don't think that, you know, uh, shout out to Tawana Petty and others that we're not, we're not affected here. Yeah. by the shootings, the, 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 the surveillance. In fact, we're being spied on and experimented on in this city. You yeah. channel that into the work. Yeah, yeah. Tawana's definitely doing that. Shout out to Tawana Petty always. That's incredible to hear. That's what, you know, that's the kind of thing, when I push back on people, that's the kind of fire I wanna hear, you know, because when, when people just, yeah, they, what you said is exactly right. When people are like, let's burn it down. I was like, and what happens tomorrow? What happens the next day? Because we have to have a plan for that. I'm, I understand the catharsis of setting something and watching it burn because it has not done for you. Split. Yeah, it's, it's a response. No, to and, and, being ignored. At the end of the day, even Martin Luther King said that. It's a response to being silent. His memory. Yeah. He said that's the last response. That's the people speaking in that. So I'm not going to diss anything on that. But what I'm, my criticism is, what are you doing to build the next side? Yeah, what comes and next? What What comes next? What is the? It's it's retribution is such a human thing it's a visceral reaction right yeah and I, I i would never judge someone for that but your aunt your mother your grandfather your grandma they use these institutions mm -hmm. shape it better for them shape it better for your new children in the next generation that's my response to that Bernard. <laughs> Bernard Fanschinski, thank you so much for joining the River Rise. I think that what you're working on through the Transit Justice, through the Joe People's Platform, and on all the work for the Detroiters Bill of Rights, that is absolutely phenomenal, radical, and like participatory work. Thank and that's you. absolutely beautiful. I have something that I ask, you know, because this year is so intense and, you know, we all are going through it. How are you? Uh, participating in self-care. I know you're doing heavy work, but how are you taking care of Renard? What's good? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bike a lot. I I, I I take that energy, that pent-up energy and bike and, and channel it towards my health. I I go on FaceTime a lot and talk to my friends all over the country. My, uh, my young sister um, in LA, who I miss so much. Okay. Um, I just stay connected to my family, but really, to be really honest, the one activity I do, I just get eight hours of rest every night, and I go to sleep on the weekends, and I sleep. <laughs> it gets my Z's. <laughs> it's hard work. Yes. So I, I want to just say to everybody: don't get mad. Well, get mad and then organize. Get mad and then organize. I'm not gonna say don't get mad. No, yeah. <laughs> and that's right. So I I, I want to thank Riverwise. Thank thank you all for having me on here um, to express the voice of like hundreds and thousands of people that want to see change because there's so many people that want to do what's right yeah. you know some important work i want to mention too that uh, uh do better d dot which is a podcast that renard and i'm sorry who was your partner on, on the uh on do better d dot podcast 
Sam. I'm, Sam. I'm just, yeah, uh, it's Rand Sam. Sam. Coming back, though. It's coming back soon. Everyone look for that. Do better, D-Dot. And um, check in on Detroit People's Platform as well. Yes. Um, People's Platform has been doing amazing work around transit justice, around community benefits. For, and for affordable housing, too. Join affordable housing, judge, yes. Join transit justice. Now. So shout out to Linda Campbell and, and the crew. Man, we could keep going, but I we might have to wrap it. It's time, isn't it? Amas? That's what we have to do. That's, That's what, what we have to do. do. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much, Renard. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed, you know, you, not even hearing your work, you, but charting with you. Yeah. Thank you so thank much. You. We'll do it again soon. Keep up the great work, man. We look for you. Looking right. forward to hearing it. All right. You take care, fellas. All right. Take care. Right, bye. That's how we out here now. Thank you so much for listening. This is Eric from Riverwise Magazine. As we navigate these challenging times of collective mourning and protest and transformation, we're grateful to be part of a vital network of community-based media. Your continued support is vital. So we just want to take a minute and recognize the people keeping the Riverwise podcast afloat. Those people include the Riverwise Collective, the James and Grace Lee Boggs Center, Kari Frazier, and the Detroit is Different Network. We thank them for their technical and creative support. We thank Heidi Osgood, L'Oreal West, Valerie Jean for their help in getting the podcast out to the public. We want to thank Reverend Joan Ross for her continued encouragement and inspiration at WNUC. Bryce Detroit, thank you for letting us use your track out here now from the album Structured Water. You should all look for it. And we want to thank the Detroit Journalism Engagement Fund which is facilitated through the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan, who have supported Riverwise and this podcast and the writing workshop since 2018. Most importantly, we want to thank you, all the, the listeners, the readers, the people who are building community, building relationships out in the city of Detroit. We thank you for your support through the magazine, through the podcast, and we look forward to bringing more valuable content to you in 2020 and beyond. Peace.